0: Hey, let me, uh,
1: let me do, a, do a, kind of just a quick check, kind of update from last week's sermon. So if you were here, this will make sense. If you weren't, uh, you might be able to kind of figure it out and follow along. So let me just ask by, start by asking a couple questions. This week, did anyone see a burning bush? Did God speak you to you through a burning bush? All right, we got one. Uh, 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 how about an angel? Did, did an angel appear to interview this week with a message from God? Okay. Uh, a dream. Anyone have a dream? God spoke to you in a dream, said, hey, this is what I want you to do? Still no one. How, how about voice, audible voice? Did you hear a booby voice or maybe even a small whisper voice from God? Okay. I, I'm just checking, because last week we talked uh, about Elijah, uh, and we talked particularly in the Old Testament. There was a lot of times that God called men and women, and when he did, he did it in some, some fantastic... Exciting ways, burning bush, angel, dream, uh, audible voice. But we pointed out last week when we started this uh, series on Elijah that God uh, at least doesn't record for us how that happened with Elijah. It probably was something fantastic, but at least scripture uh, doesn't tell us what it looked like or how that call came. But we do know this we do know that Elijah was called by God, that God Put a call on his life to be a prophet. In other words, he said, Elijah, you're going to be my spokesman. You're going to speak for me. And in particular, the, the call was this. You're going to deliver, among other things, you're going to deliver a message to King Ahab. Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom. Uh, Israel kind of was in two uh, two different kingdoms, northern and southern at that time. Uh, Ahab was uh, in the northern kingdom, and that was going to be who he delivered the Massachusetts. What we talked about last week was that it really wasn't important, at least for Elijah's story, how how God called him. I'm sure it was a cool event. I'm sure it was neat, but but that's not I- I- important. In fact, what eclipsed that was this: that Elijah listened when God said, "Elijah, you're going to be my spokesman. Elijah, you're going to be my prophet." Elijah said, in essence, with his action, Elijah said, "Okay, God." What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? The second thing that we talked about kind of was in the area of application. How, how does that fit our life? What does it apply to our life? We asked this question. How do we know when God calls us? So let me ask this question. How many of you heard God call you last week? Okay. Uh, You've already said that he didn't appear to you in a burning bush or a dream or an angel or a voice, but did God call you? So uh, before you get nervous, I'll put you at easier, because uh, some of you might be thinking, "Well, yeah, God, God talked to me last week. God didn't call me, but if I raise my hand, first service we had one bold person raise their hand like that. But uh, but if I raise my hand, I'll look around, and my hand will be the only hand in the air, and everyone's going to be looking at me like she must be weird or he must be be delusional that God talked to him. But but here's here's the reality." Here's the reality. The truth is, every one of us should have heard God's voice, be, be, because every one of us should have heard God calling us. Now, it probably wasn't uh, wasn't big. I doubt that God called anyone, or I, at least I haven't heard of it. That God called anyone to to go uh, to Africa to be a missionary or anything like that. But but the truth is, God God spoke to you last week. He called you, and if you didn't hear God calling you. It wasn't because he didn't. It's not because he didn't call you. It's because you weren't listening. Which, in essence, if you want to wrap up all of last week's service sermon, that's basically what it was. So, so let me point out just quickly some anecdotal evidence that God that God does speak to us, that God does call us uh, uh, in in uh, in our everyday life. Last week, I pointed out. That uh, as a uh, mission team that we were going to uh, going to need to have some extra people. We decided to split our team to build two houses, and even though that's going to that's going to cause us to be very thin and it's going to make it tough, that that we decided to do it. it's going to bless two families. just to think what we needed to do. So so last week I said, hey, if anyone else could go. We would love to have you go, in fact, I'll, I'll re, uh, repeat that message. If anyone decides that they would love to go to Mexico in a couple weeks, we would love to have you be a part of that, and we need you. But, but I mentioned that last week, and three people, actually it's one family, but three people, thank you, Scads, said, hey, we'll go, we'll go. And, and also I mentioned last week, hey, because we know we're going to be thin, we're going to hire some some of our friends in Mexico, uh, some extra people to help us. It's a double blessing. We're blessed by their uh, by them being there. We're blessed by their work. Because they're great workers, and and they're blessed because we're able to help them out financially. And so I mentioned that last week and asked if anyone wanted to help out with that. And we had five people. In fact, another one came up to me today and said, handed me a check. So we've had six people say, "Hey, hey, I can't go." But I want to bless you. You may not have realized that. In fact, let me have one more thing. I had someone come up to you after the first service and say, you know that story you told last week about show me? Uh, I said, yeah, yeah. And, and and they want to donate some stuff to show me because God put that on the heart. You may not have realized it, but for those people, God was calling. Now, maybe it's not a big thing. Maybe it's not earth shattering. Maybe it's not huge, but but God called and you listen. So, so the truth is, this week God has been calling you. And probably most of the times you actually listen. You just didn't realize. It. So, so God placed a call on Elijah's life. That's what we looked at last week. And S, in essence, what he said to Elijah was, "Trust me. Trust me, Elijah." If you have your Bibles, turn to First Kings chapter seventeen. We're going to look at the same text we did last week, and we're going to follow uh, follow it to its conclusion to see what else happened. So, so last week we started. The sermon with three points, and we looked at just one of them, the call. God put a call on Elijah's life, and we'll look at the other two this morning. Verse 1 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings. If you have your Bibles open up, if not, there's one in the pew back in front of you. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbeak, in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kirithabit east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told and he went to the Kirithabit east of the Jordan, stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. So so there was a call and then there was, and this really makes sense, this isn't very deep, but there was a cause. So when God calls us, he always calls us to a cost to, to, to do something. We uh, we looked last week that uh, and talked about good news and bad news. So Elijah, his good news was, hey, Elijah, you're going to be a prophet. Man, you're going to wear the label of prophet. We pointed out last week that Elijah was so special that he never even died. God took him up to heaven in a, in a fiery chariot so, so, man, that was cool, great news. But but I don't think God said, hey, I've got good news, bad news. But he did follow with some bad news. He said, Elijah to be my prophet. Great. But this is what you're going to do. This is what I'm calling you to do. You're going to go talk to Ahab. And you're going to tell Ahab this. You're going to say, Ahab, it's not going to rain for the next two years. or next two years until I say it's going to rain. Now, Now, let me... Uh, let me illustrate that. How many of you, how many you would volunteer for this job, if, if if you were called, if God just laid it out that hey I want someone to do this for me, how many would volunteer? Uh, your job would be to go tell all the farmers in Donovan County that it's not going to rain for two years. How many people want to volunteer for that job? I, I doubt that anyone's saying sign me up, sign me up. I want to be that. I want to do that. I doubt that. I, I doubt that you're saying Lord, here I am. Send me. I, I don't think that we're doing. But as bad as that, as bad as that message was, as bad as it was that he had to go tell Ahab, hey, Ahab, it's not going to rain over Israel for for a couple years unless I tell it to rain. As bad as that was, it actually got a little bit worse. See, there's an element of this news that was inflammatory for King Ahab, and it certainly had to be troublesome for Elijah to have to deliver this word, to ahab see ahab was a an extremely wicked king in fact if you have your bibles there in first kings just go back a, a chapter really just a few verses go back to chapter 16 verse 30. it's going to describe king ahab now ahab was a powerful king he was he, he commanded a large army and this is this is how scripture describes him ahab son of omri did more evil in the eyes of the lord than any of those before him. Now that's partly why God was speaking to him through Elijah. That's why he had a message for him. But Elijah Elijah was an evil king. And so God sends uh, Elijah. Excuse me. Ahab was a, a an evil king. Did you catch that? Hopefully oh, uh, you did. Thank you, Rita. Uh, surprised you didn't say something. But uh, but Ahab was evil. And that's who God sent Elijah to but catch this uh, not only did he tell him there was going to be no rain but but Elijah, but, but Ahab was, was worshipping a, a god the false god of Baal and this was what the god of Baal was known for so, so when they prayed to, to Baal this is what they thought Baal offered them Baal was the god who provided catch this rain Baal was the God that provided bountiful crops. Let me just declare this up. Uh, most of us are from the country, so we kind of go far. In case okay, we have a couple city folks here, let me just clear this up. Neil, let me just ask you a question. If it doesn't rain for two years, will your crops be bountiful? No. Yeah. No? Okay. Okay. If it doesn't rain for a month, they may not be bountiful. So, so rain is important. So so Elijah's message, he, dele- he delivered news that there's going to be a And in the process, he insulted the God, small g, that Ahab worshiped. Now, when God calls us, he's always calling us to a cause. He's calling us to say something, to stand for something, to do something, to give something, to serve or sacrifice for something. God is always calling us to respond to him. And what he wants us to do, his call always requires. His call always requires a response and action on our part. When God puts a call on your life, no matter how big or small, it always requires a response and action. So let's look at let's look at a couple things that we see here. First of all, uh, we we don't get to pick. We don't get to pick what that call is. Now, now, let me let me back off that just a hair. That, I, I'm not saying that we don't have a choice in, in serving God. In, in a very big general way, uh, certainly we have choices how we get to serve God. Uh, like Micah said, that we need to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with the Lord. In the big things, that's kind of generic. Yeah, we're, we're getting to choose those kind of daily. But, but what I mean is this. When God speaks to us specifically... Because his word speaks generally to us all the time. But when God speaks to us specifically, and he does that, when, when we feel the moving and prompting of the Holy Spirit, when, when his word moves us in a very direct and focused way, when a sermon, a teaching, or a person challenges us to change or to action, we don't get to pick that. We don't get to say to God, we don't get to prescribe to God say, God, this is where I want you to call me. Now, certainly if we have talents, we can push them that way, but but when God speaks directly, we don't get to say, God, this is what I want it to be in. And we don't even get to say, God, this is the timing. You know, if you do it during this period of my life, that would be really cool, God. We don't get to do that. Elijah did not get to pick his call. He didn't get to pick how God was going to use him. Or what God was going to have him say? Because if it, if he did, I doubt that he would have said, Hey, "Ahab, it isn't going to rain." And by the way, your God is powerless and impotent. I don't think that's what he would have picked. Let me let me illustrate it this way. About three years ago, just uh, probably uh, a couple of days short of three years ago, we, we were in Mexico. It was day two of Troy Christian Church's first trip to Mexico, our first mission trip with Costas Percrezo. Day two. I walked up to Andrea Stock, and I said, Andrea, actually, I think I said it, Andrea and Amanda both, but uh, I I said, Andrea, you really ought to think about being uh, an intern. You could so do this. Andrea looked at me like I had two heads, uh, and she didn't know which one to punch. Uh, Because her look was like, I don't think so. There's no way I could lead a group there, there's no way I could get a, I, I could lead a group of people that I didn't know to build out. There's no way that that I could talk in front of people. There's no way that, that I could go to El Paso or for a summer. There's, there's no way that I could fundraise. There, there, she looked at me like, there is no way that I would do that. I don't know when it was. I, I don't think it was that moment. Maybe it was. I'll have to ask her. It, but but somewhere during that week, maybe a little bit later in that week, she heard a voice. Now it wasn't booming, it wasn't audible, but but it was the Holy Spirit speaking to her. And I, I think it was a whisper. I think it was quiet. It was gentle. It, it was such that I think she probably thought, "Maybe I can I can ignore that, can I?" But somewhere that week, she heard God say to her, "Andrea, yes, you can." Now it took her a year and a half. Uh, to listen, to, to believe. Uh, you can thank the stocks. I was not their favorite person for a while. Uh, but uh, it, it, it took her a year and a half to, to decide, say, yeah, I, I, I can do this. Uh, and, and even right up to the last moment, a couple weeks before she was to fly to El Paso, she almost backed out. Like, no, I can't. This is too scary. This is too hard. Uh, but Andrew didn't pick that call. Now, now, if CASA's built houses on the beach, we build on the sand, but if, if CASA's built in San Diego, I'm sure Andrew like sign me up. But, but go to uh, Juarez and work in the desert for a summer, uh, s- stay in a house with eight or ten other girls, from all over the country, most of them that drove her crazy. Uh, some of them drove her crazy. Excuse me. Uh, uh, no way she was going to sign up for that. Work a summer, and instead of making money, pay them for the privilege to go there. Uh, that that was not that was not the call that Andrea picked for herself. But she listened. See, I don't know what God's call. I don't know what God's call on your life is. Uh, It may be be something simple. It may be handing five bucks to someone that can use it. It it may be simply a smile or a word of encouragement. I don't know what God's call might be on your life throughout this week and this month and this year. But for the most part, we don't get to pick that. God called Elijah to a... uh, to a specific cause, not the one he picked. He didn't hand pick it for himself. Now, note, note this also. It, it kind of stands out. i just going to say a little bit weird, but but we aren't perfect. Not only do we not get to pick it, but we aren't perfect. Now, let me let me uh, preface that by making this blanket statement: Whatever God calls you to do for Him, just know this. Now, it's going to sound odd when I say this. You're going to think this like, you're not very encouraging here, Tim. Whatever God calls you to do for him, just know that you are not the perfect choice for the task. Let me say that again. Whatever God calls you to do for him, just know that you're not the perfect choice for the task. Now, that's what we use as our number one excuse. I would do that, God, but I'm not the right guy. I'm not the perfect choice. We talked about that. That's what Moses did. That's what... Uh, when a lot of the people that were called, no, God, you can't use me. And often that's what we do. A few weeks ago, my son Kayla gave me a book, loaned me a book uh, about Charles Spurgeon. Charles, Charles Spurgeon was, uh, was one of the greatest, actually one of the greatest preachers of all time, but, but known as the greatest preacher in the mid to late 1800s. He that catches Charles Spurgeon in London Regularly preached on Sunday morning to over twenty thousand people every Sunday. He was the first mega church pastor, uh, way before his time. Uh, his his sermons were reproduced in dozens of languages and literally distributed all over the world. And, and sermons were put into book form and sold all over the world, including America. In fact, in the in the eighteen sixties, Charles Spurgeon felt God calling him to speak against slavery and he began to speak out against slavery in america how evil that was and he was lauded in the churches in the north but in the south the churches had book burnings they they literally took the books and sermons that they used to like by charles spurgeon threw them in a pile and this was church folk threw them in a pile and burnt them because they didn't like what he was saying but spurgeon was was influential he was known then and really even today as one of the greatest orators preachers and evangelists that ever lived and yet if you asked Charles Spurgeon to describe himself he would have said I'm a broken vessel he often doubted himself and doubted God's call on his life and even though he would preach to 20,000 people on Sunday morning sometimes he would go home to his room to the darkness and, and fight bouts of depression, thinking God doesn't love me. God can't use me. God doesn't want me. See, he understood what the Apostle Paul said and meant in Second Corinthians 4, 7, when he said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. So, so jars of clay meaning nothing about easily broken. That's us. So, so we have this treasure in jars of to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, we're not, we're not perfect. And, and, and you realize that because we're not, God could have chosen with, with everything he calls us to do, God could choose to simply do it himself. Do you, you ever wonder why God just does do stuff himself? What, why Instead of saying, say, hey, Elijah, you go talk to Ahab, why didn't God just talk to Ahab? Why didn't God, he could have done it a couple ways, he could have sent a lightning bolt that crashed over here, uh, Ahab would have would have scurried away from that, and then another bolt crashed over here, and, and Ahab would have, God would have had Ahab's attention, and then this big booby voice come down from heaven, and, and God told him, hey, Ahab, Ahab, you've, you've got to straighten up your act or it's not going to rain. God could have. God could have gone directly to Ahab with that message. In fact, if God did that with me, if a lightning bolt hit over here and I ran over there and, and another one hit here and I heard a big boomy voice from heaven, I'd do one of two things. I'd either check myself into a mental hospital. More than likely, that's probably what I would have done. But, but hopefully what I'd do, would, I'd listen. Really, God, you've got my attention. I'm going to listen. Uh, there is nothing we do for the kingdom there's nothing we do for the kingdom that God couldn't do himself. Uh, I may get myself in a little bit of trouble with some of you when I say this, but I'm just going to say it, let the chips fall where they may. I hate Legos. Anyone else? <laughs> Anyone say Legos? I hate Legos. Now. Uh, we have some uh, my grandkids. Several of you here. Hey, would you guys pick the Legos up when you play with them? Because that really hurts my bare feet when I step on them. Uh, but I, I, hey, look, I'm thankful that my my boys were just old enough. And they they didn't really hit the big Lego craze. Uh, but, but but they had a few. There's a few Christmases that. Someone bought them Legos either a grandparent or Santa Claus or Rita or someone uh, It wasn't me. I'll guarantee you that someone bought them Legos So sometimes Sunday a uh, Christmas afternoon or Christmas evening we sat down and opened up that box of Legos pulled out the uh, uh, The blueprints that were you know, you, you folded th- up uh, step after step after step and we sat down and began to put you know my help my kids put their Lego whatever it was together and start doing it and and it didn't take long, and they lost interest, and I lost patience with the fact that they lost interest. <laughs> and so I sent them in the other room to play the box or something, and then I was stuck putting this little castle together or whatever they got with Legos. I, I, I hate Legos, but, but, but it was really easier just to do it myself. I, I, I take great joy. Out of it. Casey Rita will buy our grandkids play some little Lego things when they open it up, I just kind of snicker inside at my sons because they end up oh, giving to me and they <laughs> The thing is, it'd be a whole lot easier for God just to do it himself. I mean, because we're not perfect but instead instead he chooses us. Why? He could do it better. We're imperfect. He chooses us. Why? Well, if I had a good answer, I'd write a book and I'd share the royalties with some of you. I don't have a good answer, except this: that theologians and philosophers have been trying to figure that out for generations. But, but, but maybe we find a hint for the answer in the book of Genesis. So, so keep uh, keep uh, keep is open, but go back to Genesis. Uh, chapter 1, back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Maybe maybe we start to see a little hint of why God chooses us. Look at verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. Let me just re- read that phrase. So God created man- mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male, female, he created them. Nothing Nothing gives God greater joy than when he sees us, when he sees us, his children, reflecting his image. See, we're made in the image of God. And when he sees his children doing what he's created us to do, doing what he's assigned us to do, when he sees us loving and serving and forgiving and caring and having compassion for one another, when he sees us fulfilling what he wants us to do, nothing gives him greater joy. Let me illustrate it this way. Nothing gives me uh, and and other fathers here today, nothing as fathers gives us greater joy than when we see our kids reflecting the image that we dreamed that they would reflect. When we see our kids becoming the the men and women that we prayed for, that we hoped for, that that we invested ourselves into, and just hope that they somehow took a couple things that we were trying to teach them. When we see them start to become what we dream them to be, man, that gives us pleasure. When I see my boys loving their children and my daughter loving her children, when I see them loving their spouses, their kids, and loving God, nothing gives me greater joy than when they do what what I hope they would do when they reflect the image of God that I've prayed for. See, God puts a call on our life for this reason. Why did he just do it all himself? Just let us hang back. Now, there's we need to do dozens of sermons on this. But he, his call is us reflecting him. And that gives him great joy. So let, let's wrap up here. Let's, let's look at one last thing. Uh, there, there was a call, and obviously when we have a call, it's for, for a cause for us to do something. But there is also... There's also care. There, there was care. Look at, look at verse 2 in 1 uh, Kings chapter 17. Then the word. So Elijah has given the message. Hey, it's not going to rain. And your God stinks. And uh, <laughs> then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now, I, this is a little bit weird here. Verse 3. Leave here. Turn eastward. And someone, someone want to say what the word is? And, and what? Hide. Hide. You just spoke the word, now you go hide in the Kirith Rabin, east of the Jordan. You'll drink from the brook, and i direct the raven to supply you with food there. Uh, what God had called Elijah to was not easy. In fact, after he delivered it, he knew that Ahab was going to be a little bit um, ticked. And so he said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go on the other side of the Jordan, go east of the Jordan, and, and, and there's a place I want you to hide I want you to go there, and, and, and Elijah, I'm going to take care of it. Trust me. I'm going to feed you. You're going to have something to drink. We'll, we'll, we'll look at this a little bit next week. If you read on, I'll encourage you to keep reading in chapter 17. Uh, the the brook dries up. And Elijah might have been thinking, God, I thought you were going to take care of it. God is going to take care of me now it, it would have been a lot easier if Elijah's message from God had been uh, a positive message if, if, he, if he had said go, go tell a- Ahab that everything's great Elijah said "God Lord if he said go tell Ahab that he will be blessed Elijah said I'm on that God if, if he had said go tell Ahab your family will multiply Elijah said man I'm, I am your man I'm going to do that See, it's easy to answer God's call when it aligns with what we want to do. Effie Piercy says it's not hard to trust God when his will aligns with ours. But it takes faith to trust him when it doesn't. God will never call you to something that he won't support you in. That he won't be beside you in you. Moses, you're going to lead Israel out of Egypt. You're going to lead my people out of Egypt, but you won't be alone. Get it? You're going to fight the Midianites, but the battle is not yours so alone. I'll be there. Elijah, you're, you're going to deliver a hard message, but I'm going to take care of you. See, God, God calls us to a cause, but then he cares enough to walk with us. Let, let me read one one more passage of scripture and then we'll we'll finish up. If you have your Bible, you want to flip over if you can find it, Jeremiah. Uh the 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 prophet Jeremiah uh chapter one this is God's call on Jeremiah. It's interesting it's very similar. Jeremiah chapter one start from verse four. The word of the Lord came to me Jeremiah speaking to where The word of the Lord came to me saying Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation's Let me just pause that for a second. Can I I just point out, we we saw this last week from Ephesians chapter 210, that 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 same comment is true of us, that before we were ever born, God had appointed for us works of service for us to do. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. I'm, I'm not perfect. But the lord said to me do not say i am too young you must go to everyone i send you to and say whatever i command you do not be afraid of them for i am with you and will rescue you declares the lord i i can only assume that every every father here went went through this that followed this uh this rite of passage as a father we we at some point I, I don't know what the magic age is it's different for every kid but but somewhere as a father we taught our kids how to ride a bike now most of us started off and, and put our kid on a bike with training wheels and and with training wheels they can't fail although they really can't you can crash a bike with training wheels too but but it's a little harder so we put them on on a little bike with training wheels and said pedal away, little one, and they headed down the sidewalk and pedal along and, and it was doing great. And and, and some point out it was weeks or months or maybe some of you years later, they decided it's time to take the training wheels off. It's time to do it yourself. And and we probably did it different ways. Now maybe some of you, maybe some of you put your kid on a hill and, and gave him a shove and said, figure it out. But I doubt that we did. That most of us probably did it this way. We, we we got the training wheels off and we we said you're gonna be fine, you can do it. I know you can do it. And and I'm gonna be right here. And we stood there, we got them on the bike and we held the hold, hold of the, the seat or maybe we grabbed them on the shoulder or, or grabbed the bike somewhere and we held it and said, okay, take off. And, and as they started pedaling, we, we walked right beside them as they picked up speed and we jogged a little bit, but we were holding on to that seat. And then without them knowing it, we did, we did the deed. we we took our hand off and they were, they didn't know it yet, but they were riding the bike by themselves. And oftentimes what happened, they would look over and we weren't beside him anymore. We, we, we got winded and we couldn't keep going and then they usually crashed. But, but when that happened, what we do? We didn't raid them. We didn't yell at them. We didn't walk in the house. We we ran up and we picked them up and we dusted them off and said, that blood will be fine. And we put them back on the bike and let's do it again. See, see God calls us. He calls us to be his representative to his... His call, whatever that might be, whatever word that might be, whatever action, whatever gift, whatever, whatever trust I, God calls us to what He's going to call us to. We don't pick that, but He doesn't abandon us, He doesn't leave us by ourselves. He's there with us the whole way, running beside us. There may be a time you kind of let's go and hey, you're doing great, but if we fall down, He's there to pick us up. That's what He said to Jeremiah Jeremiah. I will rescue Would you, you bow? Father, we thank you that you call us, that you trust us enough, even in our imperfection, to call us to be like Elijah, your spokesman, to, to represent you. Father, give us the courage to listen and obey and follow. And Father, help us see what you called us to and trust you through the Lord.